It's good to see everyone here today, and I'm, I'm really glad and happy that you all made it up here. It's a blessing to see you here. We want to welcome you if you're a visitor, and we hope that we, we make you feel at home here, and we hope that you'll return. <clears throat> this morning, we're going to talk about Colossians chapter 3, putting on the new man. And just to kind of get you up to where we're at, last Sunday, Brother Matt spoke on Colossians chapter 2. And you think about what all I was talking about there, and it was talking about you know, the, the old religious ceremonies and the, the meats and the, the drinks, the, the things that were all physical that all throughout the Old Testament they were taught to do. And these, these physical ceremonies, these things like that, they were something that were required. And they did them. They had these things for everything. You know, sacrifices required ceremonies and cleansings and offerings and things thrown up in the air and things sacrificed on stones and they had these these certain times of the month that they celebrated and they held on to. They had all these physical things that were constantly looked to and held to. But in Colossians 2, the previous chapter, it said these aren't important. These aren't what we're looking to do here. These aren't what we need. And this chapter, Colossians 3, takes you on to the next thought, which is what do we need? You know, why not? Why don't we need these old physical things anymore? And Colossians 3 talks about a process of putting aside the physical things and taking on the spiritual things. Putting aside the old physical man and taking on and putting on the new man in Christ. And this, this thought of putting on the new man and, and being spiritual, it's something that we've heard several times and we've thought about several times. But a lot of people barely scratch the surface of it. They don't really get into it. And I think through Scripture today, we can look at and see that the Bible teaches that this is essential. That without putting on the new man, without changing and transforming from a, uh, a physical man to a spiritual man, from a physical mindset and a carnal mindset to a spiritual mindset, that you're not going to make it as a Christian. Because it is required in us. It's something that we need to survive. And Colossians 3 explains this process in detail. And so we want to study it out together today. And we want to look at this process of putting on the new man in Christ. Let's go to Colossians 3. And we'll read verse 1 through 3. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, talking about looking above. And we, we all think of heaven as being up in the sky. You know, up high there. And he's saying, look up to heaven. You know, think about these things that are spiritual in nature, not carnal. Because everything here is all physical. I can touch this table. I can worry about my bills and my dog and whatever else that's physical. But here he's saying, look up. Start thinking about spiritual things, about getting your soul to heaven. Thinking about Jesus, who's spiritual. And it's, actually, if you think about that, in John 4 and verse 23 through 24, it says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You know, we need to think about God spiritually, not physically. We need to be worshiping Him in a spiritual fashion, not a physical fashion. 
You you think about it, it's not about the things that we can touch, the things that we can hold, that we can put our hands on. It's about the things in our heart. It's about the obedience and doing that because we love Him. It's about those spiritual things. And it's required in us that we do it spiritually. Romans 12 and 1 through 2 kind of explains that. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Alright, what is this verse talking about? It talks about giving your life as a sacrifice. And, and you think about worship. Worship is when you're giving something to something else. Somebody else. Whatever you're worshiping. When we worship God, all throughout the Bible we've been taught to give sacrifices. And with us, it's not the physical sacrifices, which were the, the things tossed in the air or cut on the altar. It's a spiritual sacrifice. He says your life should be a sacrifice. Everything you do in your life. And he said, that sacrifice is not being conformed to this world. You think about the things in this world like politics. Things like wars. Things like your bills and your house and your food and your children's clothes. All the things that you can start thinking about. The drama. And it's really easy to get caught up in that. Christ warned about those things. In the parable of the sower, he said, you know, that the those who were thrown among the thorns got caught up in the cares and the troubles of this life and it choked them out. You know, thinking physical things is something that we all kind of naturally do, and you might say, Well, you know, we've got to. You know, we, we live here, we have to think about these physical things. Yes, but you don't have to get wrapped up in them. You know, Jesus taught. Take you no thought for the morrow. You know, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or where you're going to be clothed. Matthew 6, he said, God's going to take care of you. He takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of the sparrows. He's going to take care of you. Stop worrying about the physical things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, the spiritual things. Alright, so we've got to set aside these physical thoughts, these physical ideas, and we've got to put on a physical, uh, spiritual mindset. And you think about your mindset, I guess just to kind of put this into perspective. A set is something, a setting that something is in. You think about a ring that a woman might have that has a diamond. And then that diamond is set in the ring. So the, the de- diamond is literally displayed by that ring. So if you have a spiritual mindset, that means any of the thoughts that you have, they're all displayed in the, in the setting of spiritual things. So whenever you think about work or home or your car or anything else, it should be set in a spiritual ideology that's always there in the background holding up everything and holding everything together. But how do you set aside a physical mindset? How do you set aside the old man, the physical man, and take up a spiritual man? How do you put on that new man in Christ Jesus? You know, we do live here. It is natural for us to think about our food and our clothes and politics and wars and sicknesses. and Now, that's what comes natural to us. How do you just change the entire way you think? How do you just stop acting a certain way that you've been and comes naturally to you your whole life? 
This is the process that is required. It is our reasonable service, our sacrifice. How do you do it? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 and read verse 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want you to think about this like a barometer. You've seen a barometer before, right? I, I mean, it's kind of outdated, but it was something they usually hung on the wall, and it's got some coils in there, and it puts up a couple gauges. And what it measures is the air pressure. It measures the pressure in the air, and based on that, they, it predicts what the weather is going to be like. Low pressures usually bring on storms and things like that, and high pressures or normal pressures are fair weather. Pretty certain. I might be wrong about that. But it shows, based on pressure, what the weather is going to be like. Well, you think about this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's kind of like a barometer. Based on pressure, or your treasure, which your treasure being the things that you place your emotions, your money, your time, your efforts in, those are your treasures. Based on wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Just like the barometer, where the pressure is, that's where the storm's going to be at. Now, if you want to use this as a tool, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to move my treasure. Well, it moves your heart. So you can use it to find out where your heart is by taking and doing a little self-searching. You can see where your heart is and you can move it if need be by moving where your treasure is. And thinking about this in, uh, in I guess, kind of a, a more... Sorry, literal sense, and a good example of it in our own lives. Couldn't think of the words. Think about football. I'm pretty sure we're all familiar with the, with football. You may not know the rules, but that doesn't matter. You've seen people that get wrapped up in it. Sometimes football can be someone's treasure. You know, they take a lot of their time, and they watch these hour hour and a half long football games. They spend hours on the internet or in the newspaper checking stats and listening to broadcasters. They, uh, they might spend a lot of money on season tickets and tailgate parties and things like that. Their emotions get really wrapped up in the outcome of these football games. Their heart is invested in this football team. That football team has become their treasure and that's where their heart is. You can think about your life And you can think about where your efforts and your emotions and your money and your time goes. And that's where your treasure is. Sometimes it's not something we want to see. But on the bright side, we can move it. And Scripture gives us examples of that. In Ephesians 4 and verse 22 through 25, it says, "...that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God." in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, put away lying. Let every one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. Alright, now I want you to notice that 
This is just a list of opposites, basically. You're taking this old man who's physical and he's doing physical things. You know, he's fulfilling his lust by stealing, by lying, by getting angry. But then he says, okay, you're going to put on this new man who's spiritual. You're going to do things that aren't really in your nature, but they're what God has asked you to do. And they're the exact opposites. If you are lying, you need to stop lying and you need to tell the truth instead. You've taken something over here and you've moved your, your efforts, your actions to something that is spiritual. If you've been stealing, you need to stop stealing. And instead, you need to work so that you can give to someone who needs. You've done the exact opposite from a physical desire to a spiritual action. If you're angry, you need to stop being angry. And you need to forgive. You need to not sin in your anger. You know, it's the exact opposite here in all of this. From a physical thing to a spiritual thing. If you go to Colossians, it continues on this thought in a little bit more ideological things. It says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And we've got this long list of things that are all actions. You can take these actions, these ideas, and you can put them to the test by moving from carnal things to spiritual things and help move your heart. And you say, you know, this is kind of vague. You know, these ideas sound good and I can, I can generally apply these, but I need something a little bit firmer for me to do to change this. You know, this is kind of hard to apply in my life. And uh, it's kind of hard to think about your mindset when you're looking at just these actions. There's, these are all just actions. But if you look at 1 Corinthians 2, he gives us a, a mindset that we can help change things. It says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Now, if you're thinking about things in a physical fashion, you're not going to get what the Scripture is teaching you. But if you take the Bible and you're thinking about it spiritually, and you apply it to your life, it says you're going to judge all things spiritually. What does that mean? It means that in every scenario of your life, there's a spiritual aspect. Think about if your car broke down. You say, that. what does that got to do with your spiritual side? Well, in and of itself, nothing. But what about your reaction to this? What about if you get out and you start cursing, kicking tires on your car? Or maybe you get to with the guys and you start complaining about it. Man, my life's rough. I've got to spend so much money on fixing this car. What if you just tear yourself up worrying about the money? Because, man, I can't afford to get this fixed right now. What am I going to do? All of these are sinful spiritual reactions. You know, anything in your life can have a spiritual connotation. That football. Football in and of itself isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with watching a game of football. But if your heart is in football because it's your treasure, you've put football before God. 
You're supposed to give God your whole heart. Moving your house, going to school, going to work, spending time with your wife or your children, everything in your life should be set in that setting of a spiritual nature. And if you would judge it, you know, think about everything you do, the traditions in your family, the words that you speak. Think about it and think, what's the right spiritual outcome in this? Now you're starting to get that mindset, thinking about things spiritually, so that you can take these old actions of the old man, these old treasures that you had, and you can move them. And it'll help you set goals of getting your heart into a spiritual area. We need goals. Hebrews 11, verse 24 through 26, talks about Moses. It says, By faith, when he became of age, uh, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. The first passage we said said looking up. You know, Moses was looking up. He was looking to the reward of heaven. And that had an effect. Having heaven as his goal had an effect on what he did. Instead of choosing this short-term pleasure, Moses was a high up. He was a prince in Egypt. And he could have had literally any pleasure that this earth had to offer at the time. He could have commanded men. He could have had any manner of lust fulfilled for him. He basically could have had whatever he wanted. But instead, he wanted heaven. He had set heaven in his goal, and it affected the actions that he took and made them take a spiritual route. And if we set our goal as heaven, it can affect your actions as well. And it can affect a lot more than just your big actions. It can affect even your small actions, because any big goal needs a bunch of smaller goals to help out. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 says... Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temporary in all things, temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats of the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That laurel crown that we saw in the last one, that crown of life, heaven, that's what we all want to get. That's our big goal. But you think about what the Apostle Paul said. He said, anyone who runs to win the crown has to be temperate in all things. What does that mean? Moderate in all areas. You think about a runner. They don't just get out and run all day. If they're going to win the race, they've got to do more than just run. Because it's not just your, your lungs and your legs that you're working on. You've got to have a strong core. You've got to have strong arm muscles. You actually have to work out your leg muscles. Running will deteriorate your leg muscles if you do too much of it without other building up exercises. So you see these athletes, they get in there and they set other short-term goals to help them win the race. They might do some jumping rope to help build up their cardio. They might set goals to lift certain amounts of weights so they can build up to when that race comes there, they're strong enough to make it to the finish line. They might run a certain distance every week, run further and further. They set these small goals to help them reach the final goal. And Paul's comparing this to the, to the crown of life. 
you know, we need to set some short-term goals to help us to achieve that long-term goal. We have areas in our lives where we have failings. And if you're spiritually judging things, like we talked about before, you're going to recognize some areas where, you know what, maybe I need to, to make some changes. I need to move my treasures around here. I need to move some of my actions around here. Maybe at work you're not working all that hard and you're not being a good employee. Set some goals to help you reach that goal. Maybe in your family life you haven't been a very good spiritual leader and you need to be teaching more with your family. Maybe in your own life you haven't been praying as much as you need to and so your relationship with God is falling a little short. Maybe you don't have the trust that you need there. Set some goals. You know, reaching heaven is a very big goal to get to. And uh, one of my favorite sayings is, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you can't get it all in your mouth at once, so you have to eat it one bite at a time. You know, you've got this big goal. You need a bunch of these small goals one at a time so you can get there. You know, you, you start judging spiritual things, and you might have a laundry list. We all probably do. But you can't do it all at once. You need to take some short-term goals, one at a time, judge them spiritually and see what you need to do to have a spiritual outcome that's pleasing to God. And you're going to get there one bite at a time. We need that. These short-term goals to help us reach that main goal. And you think about it, if you've looked at your heart to see where your treasure is, and you've decided, you know what? I'm going to have to start moving my treasures so that I can move my heart. And you said, I'm going to start thinking about everything that I do so I can set some short-term goals to help me reach spiritually. All of a sudden, your mind is revolving around spiritual things. Your actions are revolving around spiritual things. You've made a huge spiritual change in your life. You're following after Christ, doing the spiritual things that He asked you to do. You're putting on the new man who is spiritual in Christ Jesus. But there's one more thing you need to do. You need to give it 100%. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You think about uh, that football analogy we've been going with. In football, they have a saying. They say, leave it all on the field. You know, you're there. You're there to win that game. You don't got to worry about what you're going to do afterwards. You don't got to worry about the next game in the series. Leave every ounce of energy on the field. You give it 100% so that you can win this game. Then you move on to the next one. In the Christian life, we need to leave it all in the field. If you're not giving it 100%, you will fail. I would that you were hot or cold, not lukewarm. And we talked about that in Revelation 3. God doesn't desire half and half. God doesn't desire 60-40 or 70-30 or 80-20. God wants all of you. Matthew 22 and verse 37-38 Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. God wants 100%. And He always has. In your sacrifices, when they were physical back in the Old Testament, He wanted your first fruits, your bests. But now in your spiritual life, where your sacrifice is your actions every day, becoming spiritual instead of physical, He wants 100% still. And if you're not giving 100%, it's not enough. 
You're going to fall short. You can't serve two masters. You'll love the one and hate the other, or you'll hate one and or love one and despise the other. 